everybody how's it going thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of reasonably outrageous i'm blake pace alongside matt wyrick out there in virginia while i'm hanging in tennessee and it is friday october 11th for you all uh, it is thursday night october 10th we've got a lot of fun live action going on tonight we've got thursday night football in the amazing super bowl rematch between the uh, patriots and the giants which i know is just going to be lovely to watch and we've oh, also yes. got game five between the uh, the rays and the Astros, you know, Matt, as a Yankees fan, I would love to see the Rays advance and, and knock off the Astros. So that would be an amazing way to to recap uh, that that you know divisional series. But that's not even the most important thing that we need to talk about because Matt, I want to make sure that your heart rate is is slowly getting down. Uh, take us through last night. I I, I got to know what was going through your head through that entire game. You know, uh, my heart is still pounding, I've got to say. It was an absolutely <laughs> euphoric feeling uh, to see Howie Kendrick hit that grand slam yeah. in the 10th inning. I mean, that game is just full of, of such great moments. And there were so many parallels to the wildcard game. It was actually kind of crazy mm-hmm. how similar that game was. Uh, but this team just it has a different feel than, than Nats of years past, and I'm not just talking about Bryce Harper. You know, the, the previous teams all coasted to division titles, but this Nationals team, you know, it's been an underdog all season. They started 19-31 and 31 and basically had to play with their backs against the wall all year. Now getting into the playoffs as a wildcard team, something they've never done before, having to have all of these dramatic wins, getting creative with the starting pitchers coming out of the bullpen. I mean, it's just been a ride, and I can't wait for it to continue uh, Friday night uh, in St. Louis. It's going to be a fun series, and uh, I'm really buying into this team, man. Yeah, that's that's what I love the most about this is for us on this show, we're we're kind of both living through these fun rides. I mean, mine was a little (laughs) less interesting because the Yankees just – spanked around Minnesota like they were little boys but uh but you know the the Nats I mean what a, what an unbelievable game you know you have Strasburg going in and we talked about him being you know one of those guys that you want in a in a winner go home game and then he gives up those early home runs and then uh or the early home run the three runs in the first inning and then you just go through all that and it's like oh my gosh what is happening and then I I mean I know we are we are in what two three group chats together that we're all talking about the game yep. for the for the next four hours and <laughs> And the journey that it went on, but uh, you know we're going to stick with uh, baseball to start things off, and we're going to do our, our final send-offs to the three teams that have uh, unfortunately seen their season come to an end. Of course, we don't know who is uh, if you're if you're listening on Friday, you all know who has advanced in the Astros Rays series, but we will not get to touch on that tonight. Uh, but let, Matt, let's start with that game because as as much of uh, an impressive win it was for the Nationals. I mean, what? an awful way to end your season for the Dodgers. And we, we talk about just not even this season alone, but the stretch of the last, you know, since 2013 and how they've, you know, continuously had one of the better teams in baseball, but never been able to put it together and, you know, win a World Series. Uh, they, they put out Clayton Kershaw, uh, bring him in beyond the sixth inning, and, and that's when things start to get tricky and ugly for them. Uh, you talk about the two home runs they gave up in the eighth inning to send the, uh, to send, to make this game tied and send it in extra innings. Um, 
Matt, you know, as excited as you can be about the Nats, it, it's it's a pretty bad blow for the Dodgers to have such a great season and have it end so shortly. Oh yeah, I mean, this is easily the most stacked team in the in Major League Baseball. I mean, if we're talking about yeah. just roster talent alone, they have Cody Bellinger, a, a slam dunk MVP candidate. You had Hengen Ryu, uh, who's up, who's going to be up there for Cy Young voting. They have several rookies uh, who, who really stepped up this year. I mean, it's kind of crazy that they go and have this 106 win season the most that they've ever had in franchise history and for a storied team like the Dodgers that's very significant uh, for them to bow out in the first round I think that was the only way this season could have ended in more disappointment than them losing the World Series once again you know, if they, they, they yeah. lost in the NLCS, it, I don't think it would have been uh, this bad. I don't think it would have been as, as bad as losing another World Series just because you get stuck with that label. So I think, honestly, this was worst-case scenario. They ran into a, a really tough out in the Nationals, a team that had almost identical records down the stretch. Uh, the Nats played an 107-win pace uh, after May 23rd when the Dodgers coincidentally finished with 106 wins. So they were, uh, by the numbers, if you, you know look at the, the – last couple of months of the season playing at a very similar level. So you, if you were the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you probably would have much rather faced the, the Braves, the Cardinals in that first round, or certainly the Brewers had they escaped yeah. from the wild card game. You might be singing a much different tune right now, but you know, this is a, this is a tough one for the Dodgers to swallow. You know, Dave Roberts really had some blunders there managing wise, especially yeah. with his handling of Clayton Kershaw, keeping him in after striking out Adam Eaton uh, with three straight strikes in the seventh. Uh, when you know he came in to, to pitch out of a jam, they keep him in uh, for the eighth inning. Of course, Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto hit back-to-back home runs. He only threw three pitches in that inning, three pitches the inning before. So in all of that, he threw six total pitches, uh, but was ultimately lifted after having given up the lead. And then, of course, Joe Kelly comes in. He he has a, a good yep. good inning uh, in the ninth, sets down the number eight, the number nine, and Trey Turner uh, so turning over uh, the game to the, uh, to the Dodgers in that bottom of the ninth when Will Smith Thought he walked off. Of course, that ball landed in the warning track, and the game went to the 10th inning. But Joe Kelly somehow still on the mound uh, for that frame. And you think, okay, you know, maybe you're keeping him in uh, to face Rendon. That obviously, or excuse me, yes, Rendon. And that obviously doesn't go well. He hits a double into the wall. Uh, but then the inexplicably uh, keep him in after you keep walk. Uh, sorry? No, no, I was just, I was saying, I was agreeing with you. Oh. And, and yeah. you know, the, the fact that Kenley Jansen, obviously it, your, your best reliever, the guy you're paying to be your closer to handle these tough situations, is still in the bullpen when you have Howie Kendrick go for that grand slam, when obviously Joe Kelly does not have it there in the 10th inning. You know, it, it really was mm-hmm. a, a, a puzzling move there by Roberts. And, you know, ultimately Joe Kelly was the guy that was, you know, an anchor for the Red Sox last postseason. And in fact, really, you know, helped lock down the Dodgers in that World Series, but right. ultimately was not able to come through in this series. And a lot of Dodgers fans are going to be pretty bitter about the way that Roberts handled that. So uh, I think if you look back at this season, it's a massive disappointment for this franchise, a massive setback. Uh, and, and now looking forward, you've got a lot of question marks about, you know, where this team stands. I mean, you have uh, several guys like Kim Jin Ryu uh, hitting free agency. 
Of course, you also you know need to deal with AJ Pollock, a guy who you paid a lot of money, really didn't have all that great of a season this year. You have, of course, uh, Rich Hill also becoming a free agent. You're looking, you know, at guys like Julio Urias and Ross Stripling and Dustin May, maybe maybe be able to fill in uh, for guys like Ryu and Hill. But given that Ryu was pitching at Cy Young caliber, you're probably expecting this rotation uh, to take a step back. Plus, you of course have Clayton Kershaw and Kenta Maeda turning uh, 32 next year. Uh, you know, in that lineup, you have guys like Justin Turner, uh, who will be 35. AJ Pollock, of course, 32 years old. Austin Barnes, uh, who will of course be taking a backseat to Will Smith there at catcher, will be mm-hmm. 30 years old. Uh, Max Muncie is getting up there in age. You know, the clock is ticking on this franchise uh, with how many consecutive division titles it has to come through and, and win a World Series. And of course, they do have some young guys. Guys, uh, that they're really excited about, like Alex Verdugo, Will Smith, Gavin Lux. You know, plenty of, of young talent coming up through the pipeline. But a lot of the, the this core that you know the the Dodgers have built that the sustained success on is starting to get older. And some players will be leaving, like Ryu uh, and Hill, players who have been integral parts of playoff runs in the past. So. You know, uh, I, and obviously Kershaw, who hasn't been able to perform in the postseason his entire career, it really is a, a big question mark as to what the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you know, will be able to do in the next few years. Of course, they're still going to be favorites uh, to win the National League West next year. There's no doubt about that. I don't think that they're going to miss the playoffs by any means. But, you know, at, at some point, something's going to go wrong and things are going to fall apart. It happens with every dynasty. And, you know, I don't even think you can really call the the Dodgers a dynasty at this point, considering they haven't won a title. Yeah. And I want to go back to the decisions that they made, you know, uh, by now two nights ago, Um, Joe Kelly is historically known for not going, uh, not doing well once he gets above the 20 pitch mark. And that was the first time all season that he had pitched more than 20 pitches. So keeping him out there, certainly a bad take. Uh, of course, like you said with Kershaw, beyond the sixth inning, uh, his ERA spikes up, and yet you bring him in as a reliever role. I understand it's a little bit different uh, than you know having a guy pitching into the seventh inning than putting him in at the end of the seventh and then into the eighth, but certainly a bad uh, situation there as well. So now you've got Dave Roberts, and, and it, for an analytically driven league, uh, you know, there were some numbers that were definitely ignored, and I know postseason baseball maybe gets a little bit away from that because of the emotional impact on that, but... I mean, you you know where certain players thrive, and if they're getting to that weight, it just seemed like Roberts was in over his head and made some really poor decisions that you know ultimately cost them the season. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I think Roberts is is one of the better managers in baseball, but he really just went for that sentimental value. You know, uh, he was hoping for a legacy defining moment for Kershaw there, and he's actually said Roberts did that. His favorite game he's ever managed, his favorite memory to look back on, is Game 5 of the 2016 NLDS when the Nationals were eliminated by the Dodgers. And who was throwing the final pitch of that series? It was none other than Clayton Kershaw, who came in for the save in that game. And, you know, obviously it was a guy at the time who who still had these struggles. You know, Kershaw's had these, these problems his whole career. And they got away with it right. that time. But, you know, ultimately he was not able to do it again, and, and it really did cost him. Yeah, so I, the Dodgers season now, we, there's a ton of questions heading into next year about how they're going to retool and, and try and keep themselves you know, afloat as one of the better teams in baseball. Uh, you know, they had a close they had a close series that went, you know, to game five, of course, and they, they were well in there. And, and it was a close game, a game in which they had a lead on uh, the next team that we're going to talk about and do a send off for just came out in game five and, and looked like they just were not ready to play. And that's the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals put up 10 first inning runs, ended up winning 13. 
13, putting up 13 the entire game and sending Atlanta, a very young team, but a very um, promising team, uh, you know, bouncing them out of the postseason. Uh, the Cardinals advancing as well now, too. And so, Matt, um, you know, your future opponent uh, is, is standing just a, a night away by the time this episode comes out. But focusing on the Braves, uh, what what did you make out of that game? Because it was, I, I couldn't believe it personally, you know, seeing 10 first runs like that. Yeah, I mean, Fulton Davis came out flat, and after he delivered uh, such a great game in Game 1 of that series, the Braves were obviously very optimistic that he could be uh, the guy and, and do it again. But, you know, he's had a very up-and-down year. He finished the season with a 4-5-4 ERA, actually ended up uh, being sent down to the minors for a little while, despite the fact that he had such a great season just a year ago. In 2018, he finished 8th in Cy Young and had a, an all-star year. But, you know, this just wasn't his season, and you had a guy like Mike Soroka who you could have started uh, in that game one uh, and had him available for this game uh, had you not, you know, pitched Dallas Keuchel instead. And, and of course, they went to Keuchel in game four on short rest, and, and that ended up uh, hurting them as well. But, you know, uh, Brian Snicker, a younger manager, younger in, in terms of experience, um, who, you know, was has been with this organization a long time, uh, just didn't pull the right, right uh, strings there uh, in terms of who he brought to the plate uh, or to the mound, excuse me, for his starts. And, you know, it, it was it was sad for this team. But at the same time, it's hard to feel too bad for the Braves considering that it has such a young core. They're going right. to be good for a long time. They do have some big question marks going this offseason. And, and, you know, namely the lineup, Josh Donaldson, Nick Markakis, two guys who were real anchors uh, in that lineup. Of course, Markakis did miss some time with injury, but Donaldson had a fantastic year, led the team in war, in fact, uh, really uh, just had a, you know, on that one-year deal, really, you know, came through for them. Now they have to decide, okay, is Austin Riley ready to slide into an everyday starting third baseman role? He came off to a really hot start. That first month was absolutely incredible, hitting a ton of homers, but then after that, struggled mightily and ended up finishing 226 uh, batting average on the year. Of course, you know, did have 18 home runs in 80 games, which is a fantastic rate, but overall, you, you had to be concerned about how much of a drop-off there was. So they've got some big decisions. This is an organization that, that definitely is a bit of a penny pincher uh, and doesn't want to, mm -hmm. to spend big in free agency. Although with Donaldson's contract coming off the books, perhaps they'd be interested uh, in, in signing someone to a long-term deal. Of course, they have Acuna and Albies signed to such team-friendly contracts. Mike Soroka, right. uh, obviously still on his rookie deal. Max Fried, same thing. Um, you know, but in, in Dallas Keuchel, who they paid a handsome sum, obviously he's a free agent too. So you know, there, there's definitely some money available to be spent. I'm just interested to see what this front office does because last year last winter they had a very quiet offseason mm -hmm. and they can certainly maximize off of that opportunity if they choose to do so because they are so young uh and you know we talk about that division and how difficult it can be of course the phillies who officially let go of their manager was it today or yesterday it now was today trying, it was today yes it was today or thursday. yesterday by the time that you're listening thursday. it was thursday yeah. yeah i always keep forgetting <laughs> i need to say the days um but, you know, the, the, you expect the Phillies to, to hopefully be better with the roster that they have. The Nationals, you know, they're they're riding hot right now, and they don't show any signs of, of being worse next season. Um, the Mets, depending on who they bring in as their manager, that could definitely swing some things. And then, uh, 
man, you know, maybe the Marlins will be good at some point down the road, but <laughs> not next year. We're not ex- we're not expecting it next year. So uh, it, they're really going to need to make some moves to to you know at least show that they've improved themselves from this past year. Because of course, uh, you know, they can thank the Nats' slow start for the only reason they were able to walk away with the division. Um, because you know, like you were saying, with with the Nats' pace that they finished on over the last few months, they were one of the hottest teams in baseball. So. Um, you know, if that Nats slow start didn't start off, then, you know, we could have been looking at a totally different, uh, you know, series outlook. And, and now, you know, they head into the offseason, of course, a very unfortunate loss, but a very young team, a lot of promising players, uh, like you were saying, you know, Acuna, Austin, or <clears throat> excuse me, Danzy Swanson, Alzi Alb. Ozzy Albies, um, of course. Oh, and quick shout out to Brian McCann, uh, who retired uh, yeah. three three year stint with the Yankees too. So I, you know, I, I really, um, I really like Bryce McCann just as a locker room guy. And, and you know, I loved his quote saying afterward that he he's ready to be a dad, and and it's just a cool way to hear a guy go off and be like that. He was definitely one of the better characters in baseball. Um, so him retiring, hats off to a long career there. But uh, but yeah, a lot of things to figure out in in uh, Atlanta to figure out ways to not only sustain the success that they've had, but build upon it uh, this off season. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect the uh, Braves to be a team that's going to be in on the big name guys like Anthony Rendon, yeah. Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole this off season. Uh, but at the same time, they certainly Those should be busy. Yeah, the mid-tier guys is kind of where they thrive. And, of course, they have a great core, right. uh, fully expecting them to be back, even if they have a quiet offseason. Um, but, like you said, it's a tough division. And, you know, if you, I think among between the Phillies and the Mets, one of those two teams is going to be improved next year. You know, the Mets did make things kind of interesting down the stretch. Certainly uh, yeah. had a good mm-hmm. second half, uh, acquired Marcus Stroman, who they will have again next year. So that rotation, despite the fact that it's losing Zach Wheeler to free agency, will certainly be, uh, you know, in the conversation for one of the best in baseball so uh you know if you're the Braves there's going to be pressure to to solidify your spot atop the division especially considering how the Nationals played of course we we do need to see how the Nats handle their offseason which is uh, a whole nother debacle in in how many players they could lose as well um but at the Mm -hmm. same time you know if you're the Braves you shouldn't feel comfortable um, but this is definitely a successful season. It's funny that the Dodgers obviously being bounced in the first round is heralded as, as a massive disappointment. But, you know, for the Braves, a, a franchise that uh, went through a long rebuild prior to, you know, busting onto the scene last year uh, to win 97 games, which was its most wins in a season dating all the way back to 2003. Um, you know, that's wow. that's a, a very successful season in my book. And yes, you, you get bounced in the LDS for the second straight year. Yes, they have not won a playoff series since 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you'd like to think that there are many more playoff runs in store for this club. Uh, so you really don't necessarily right. have to be worried uh, about where they are right now. Right. And so we're not worried about the Dodgers and the uh, the Braves heading into next season. Both of them have one of the better teams in football and, and had competitive football in baseball and had a competitive series as well. And of course, right now we're also seeing a, a competitive series in the American League between the Rays and the A's. But one that was not competitive uh, by any means um, was the Yankees versus the Twins series. And that's our, our, our final send-off team uh, for today. Uh, man, the, the Twins came out. They were flat essentially that entire season their or that series the pitching staff uh, was giving up run after run in those first two games second game was a little more competitive but the Yankees able to pull out the sweep um Matt I don't know how much you thought about the twins but I, I believe as far 
to my knowledge, they're the winningest team to be swept in the divisional series. Um, so certainly uh, things did not go well for them. But I, I wonder your impressions on what you saw from the Twins because most of my impressions come from the side of me being like, oh my gosh, the Yankees are riding really high. But I, I wonder if I should have had lower expectations for what the Twins actually should have done. Well, I mean, the Twins are are on such a drought of, of losing playoff games. I mean, it's yeah. pretty incredible. They haven't won a playoff game since 2004, in which case they've been swept in one, two, three, four LDS and lost uh, a wild card game as well. So I believe yeah. they said it was 16 in a row. They that have, they're at right uh, yeah, now. they have 16 in a row, which is tied for Chicago. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks for the uh, the most consecutive losses in all four of the major sports. Yeah. Eleven of those losses also came by the hands of the New York Yankees. So uh, they definitely do not want to see New York in the postseason. No, and and you know moving forward, it, this is a team that you know had a, a, a high win total. Certainly, you know you can be happy winning 101 wins. Uh, I believe that is the first time in franchise history. No, first time since 1965 uh, that they reached the 100 win threshold. So. Certainly an exciting year for them, and they do have a lot of young talent. Uh, a team kind of like the Braves that was in a bit of a rebuild over the past couple of years and is finally, you know, really coming around. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that you need to make some bigger changes this offseason and be willing to spend some money uh, if you are the Twins, because you don't want to get bounced uh, in, in a three-game sweep once again in the playoffs. If you know you have a good core and, and you kind of got unlucky in, in some certain ways, but you know, pitching is, is going to be so vital for this team in the offseason. You thought. Jose Barrios would be the guy to step forward uh, and become an ace, and he'd be, he's still good, certainly, uh, a player that, you know, you can't be necessarily disappointed uh, for his de- performance this year, but at the same time, um, you know, you're really going to need somebody to step up and be that number one guy, and, and you know, we're already hearing rumors of Eddie Rosario being available uh, for in trades, um, as they would be able to move Marlon Gonzalez into left field uh, for his spot. That That is a very intriguing option for them. Uh, he hit 270 sick with a 500 slugging percentage this past year, uh, led the team with 109 RBIs. So somebody that uh, would be very attractive to a lot of teams, but they're looking for frontline starting pitching talent, the that front office, which has said, you know, it's going to be pushing ownership to spend a little bit more money than they're used to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see if they actually do it considering the, the small market that the, the twins are in. But you know, uh, I think that right now they were just an obviously flawed team. They, they, the offense was spectacular. Right. Uh, you know, the bullpen had several good pieces uh, that you could, you know, be really excited about. But that that rotation just is not going to get it done in the playoffs. And of course, Jake Odorizzi is now a free agent, so you lose him, the guy who was probably your number two behind Barrios uh, all year. Uh, I just, you know, you're going to have to see some major changes for the Twins if they're going to want to make it back to the playoffs. Yeah, and to me, you know, looking at their lineup, I mean, this is what the problem can be when you have that home run or strikeout type team. I mean, the entire team hit 218 throughout the series. Uh, you take a look at some of the guys in particular. Miguel Sano had one hit in 12 at-bats um, and also had eight strikeouts in the series. Uh, you take a look at someone like Mitch Garver, who had two hits at 12 at-bats but five strikeouts. Max Kepler went 0 for 10 the entire series. Uh, Jorge Polanco went 1 of 11. Um, so, man, it, it was... or Sorry, 3 of 11 uh, for, for Polanco. But, man, uh, you know... Watching the Yankees pitching staff pretty much, uh, you know, deal with the Twins at ease. And, and of course, they were able to go bullpen heavy. I, I don't even think any of the starting pitchers went longer than five innings. Uh, but they, they just had, you know, they had 
couldn't get anything going at the plate, and that's what's unfortunate when you're such a strikeout heavy team or home run heavy team is that uh, you know when the home runs start dying down, it's it's going to be hard to be able to get those you know turn that strikeout or turn that home run into what would be you know an extra base hit to kind of at least keep something rolling because their offense was just flat the entire series. And, and, you know, it really wasn't that difficult for the Yankees at all, especially in the first two games where they, you know, maybe got down early on, but, but really just carried away through the remainder of that game and took care of business. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they always say that the pitching rules in the playoffs and the twins just don't have it. And the Yankees, of course, you know, they, they have their own question marks about that rotation, but certainly the upside of a lot of those names is to, is fantastic. I mean, you know, you, oh, yeah. you, you look at plenty of those guys, Tanaka, uh, Severino, uh, dudes who you could throw into a playoff game and still conceivably believe that could give you six strong innings. Uh, I don't look at mm-hmm. up and down this twins rotation and see a guy that necessarily stands out to me as someone I trust in those kinds of situations. So they need a guy they can trust. I don't expect them to sign Garrett Cole or anything like that, but certainly, you know, they're going to be heavily active in the trade market. Uh, They have a great farm system. They could deal from that depth. Uh, If they look at, you know, their window is now that's, that's, I think something this, this organization needs to realize is that you just won 101 games. The now is not the time to be tepid about acquiring talent for your major league roster. You just, you're picking up Nelson Mm -hmm. Cruz's option for next year. Uh, You know, he obviously, is in the twilight of his career still producing you don't know how long that's going to last go all in try to win a title because you were pretty damn close uh you know in terms of regular season record uh to being one of the best teams in the league and if the Astros take a step back next year the Yankees take a step back next year you're right there uh so you know I'm not I don't think the window is closing on the twins by any means but there's certainly a lot of work to do Right, and one last thing before we close our baseball talk. Our last episode or two episodes ago when we talked about pitchers that we would uh, most like to have in a winner-go-home situation, we were tossing in names at the bottom, and, and you know we threw in two Yankees named Severino and Paxton, but uh, that was, that was uh, silly on my part to not remember uh, how great Masahiro Tanaka has been in the postseason throughout his career. Um, aside from his 2015 showing uh, in the wildcard game in which they lost to Houston and he gave up two earned runs, uh, he has a career uh, postseason uh, ERA of 1.54 uh, in what is six starts. Um, he has only given up you know, three home runs and only six earned runs in those six starts. Um, so, I, you know, I, it was interesting from a Yankees perspective. I wanted to see Paxton get the, the opening start. Uh, because he had looked so good toward the end of the season. But uh, Masahiro Tanaka looked really damn impressive uh, in this past series, and I would love to see him as the Game 1 starter for uh, uh, this upcoming series, whether that's against the Astros or the... um or the Rays. Yeah, I wouldn't have put him on my list, I'd say, in terms of like the, no, the, no. the top group, but just kind of no, given the not. season he had this year. But, you know, I'd say definitely a, mis- a mistake on our part to not at least mention to, him. Yeah, right. I think he's definitely probably in the, in what we've seen from experience wise in the postseason, probably the best. Uh, Yankees pitcher right now is Severino still you know tries to get a little bit better but that's just my little Yankees sidetrack that I remembered from from uh, thinking that over the weekend seeing Tanaka pitch but we are going to switch things over Matt and uh, we it's been a while but we are going (laughs) to talk some NBA basketball Uh, the NBA season is uh, so close to being upon us and it's kind of got me a little panicked because you know I I was talking with Matt and you know you all know this has really been the big year for me to take baseball and and really you know pursue understanding the game and learning more about it and now you know we're here in October with with the MLB postseason we've got NFL regular season 
Uh, and it just is so crazy that basketball is a start is about to pick back up. And, you know, there's a lot of great storylines across, you know, of course, NBA offseason is is, um, is is better than any season? other professional sport. Uh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> it, it is. Honestly, it is better than the regular season. You're not wrong. Uh, but we're here and doing some uh, some NBA talk. And we're going to start off by going through our eight uh, NBA or Eastern Conference teams that we believe will go in the playoffs. And Matt, do you think it's better to go from one to eight or eight to one? Should we build up the suspense as we go? Um, start at eight. I'd say let's just list off. So so full disclosure, Blake and I have the same eight teams, uh, not, yes. not on purpose at all, but we have the same eight teams making the playoffs. So let's let's take a look, Blake, real quick. Uh, at the the seven teams that we don't have making the playoffs here, and we'll just go ahead okay. and list them off in, in no particular order: the Hawks, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Those seven teams, neither of us believe will be making the playoffs this year. No. Real quick, Blake, and, and neither is, of our favorite teams. Neither of our favorite teams, neither. unfortunately. Um, it's going to be yeah. a rough year for both the Knicks and the Wizards, but that's okay. Yep. The rebuilding mode, of course, you're a little farther along in the rebuild than the Wizards are, um, but. Blake, among those right. seven teams, I want to ask you: Do any of them stand out to you as a as a possible you know jumper, someone who who could knock off one of the lower teams that we have on our list and, and make a playoff appearance? Uh, I would I would say the Detroit the Detroit Pistons, um, just because of the stars that they have on there: uh, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Uh, you know, you still got Reggie Jackson there. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I know we've got it right here, so let me just pull up what they did in this offseason. They brought in Derrick Rose, Markeith Morris, uh, Tony Snell, um, but they did lose guys like Ishmael Smith, Wayne Ellington, and Glenn Robinson the third. Um, I think that if there is a team that could bump out one of our bottom playoff teams, I would probably go with the Pistons just because I really like Dwayne Casey as a head coach. Uh, I think that the moves that they made, you know, Markeith Morris and Derrick Rose are great bench guys. Um, and with the starting lineup mixed in with some of the young guys that they've drafted over the last few years, I know they've got, you know, uh, Stanley Johnson, uh, who's the who's the white guard that they drafted a couple years ago that they're shooting guard off the bench. Oh, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head right now. But um, anyways, I, I do believe the Pistons probably just based off of their roster and coach. Uh, I, I would say they're maybe my one team I would put in there. For me, um, I think I'd go with the Hawks. Uh, a team that certainly is yeah. going to be very young this year. They they draft DeAndre Hunter uh, and Cam Reddish uh, with both among the top ten, uh, and and adding a few guys like Jabari Parker and Evan Turner and Chandler Parsons this year. Uh, it's a work in progress, but I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. I mean, you know, Trey Young and John Collins are, are two of the better young duos in the NBA right now. Uh, you get a guy like Cam Reddish to be with them. DeAndre Hunter, uh, of course, pulling in some rebounds. It just makes you excited. Uh, I don't think that they're necessarily a, you know, an Easter Conference title contender or anything like that, but I could see them sneaking in as an 8, eight seed. If we continue to see a couple of those guys take some steps forward, we, we see Reddish and Hunter uh, you know, assimilate themselves into the NBA uh, a little bit quicker than you know most rookies do, then you know they definitely have a chance. Um, just because the East is also just so light, you know, it's, it's such a terrible conference. It's the junior varsity league. Um, so, you know, anything can happen there. Uh, and I think the Hawks uh, with their young talent and and Lloyd Pierce at the helm, uh, it makes me excited about Mm -hmm. their future. 
Oh, yeah. It's a bunch of young guys out there that if they all gel together, I mean, we think about how some of the better teams uh, have been formed. You know, you look over in Golden State and some of the young pieces that they built around. And I know, you know, Trey Young, everybody looks at him as like the mini Steph Curry just based off of his size and range. <laughs> and his hair. Um, but, you know, and his hair. Yeah, just about everything. But I mean, man, they could really build something special out in Atlanta. And I think you're starting to see the, the fundamental pieces of it being laid right now. Hey, man, uh, there's definitely reason to be excited about the Hawks. I think that the, the way they've navigated this rebuild has been fascinating uh, and, and honestly a lot quicker than a lot of other rebuilds have gone. Of course, I'm saying that without them you know, being uh, bona fide contenders. I'm not even picking them to make the playoffs. But certainly, uh, right. you know, we've seen some rebuilds where you're, you're a couple years in like this and there still uh, is a very bleak future ahead. So at least the Hawks you know, have given their fans something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Alrighty. So, what what did you think? Do you want to go up and down, or let's just go eight to uh, one? Might as well eight to one. Alrighty, Matt. Who do you have finishing, uh, just barely making the postseason as the eight seed in the Eastern Conference? My team at the bottom is is, is going to be the Miami Heat. Uh, they go and ma- go out and, and make that sign and trade deal uh, to acquire Jimmy Butler from the 76ers. They finally get their star that they've so desperately wanted uh, ever since LeBron left. Of course, you know he left them with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, but Bosh had his health problems, and Wade, of course, had his decline uh, until the point of where he retired just this past year. Uh, they trade Hassan Whiteside, um, but at the end of the day, that's actually yeah. kind of a good thing for them. He's, he's been hurt so much, they really haven't been able to rely on him to be on the court. They have this uh, young guy, Bam Adebayo, I think his name is. He's ready to, to take over as a full-time yeah, Adebayo. star, Adebayo. Uh, and they're very mm. excited about him. Um, so overall, you know, I, I think that they're feeling pretty good about where they're at. The East is weak. Uh, they have a bona fide star in Jimmy Butler. Of course, he's not necessarily the most versatile star in the world. Really is uh, just a right. shooter in my mind. Doesn't doesn't pick up a ton of assists. Doesn't pick up uh, a ton of rebounds. But certainly somebody who you can turn to late in games to make the clutch shot and that's something that they've desperately needed over the past couple of years mm-hmm. yeah hey I, I i think the heat are definitely a playoff team of course like we said we all have the same eight i am a little bit higher on them so i won't talk with them for a bit but i am going to bring up uh the team that i have in here just making it and that's the orlando magic now you know orlando was able to sneak in there and and you know had some some fun playoff games i guess last year but uh not a team that i'm too high on i just you know taking a look at the record predictions and and we see this a lot with the Eastern conferences. We've got those losing record teams that make it in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I have the magic as a team that finishes, um, two games below 500 at 39 and 43. So I don't think they're anything special, but I do believe that they've got some younger players that I really do like. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon continues to develop as a better player. Uh, it seems like we might finally be getting the, the rebound year and the beginning of the career really, um, for our for their point guard Markel Fultz, um, you know I, I just think that the Magic are further along in the rebuilding stages. They've got some players that I really like there, so I've I've got them as my eight seed. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I mean, like I said, you have all the same guys, but I'm I'm a little bit higher <laughs> on the the Magic, so I'm going to save yeah. uh, my bit on them for a little bit right. later. I'm going with the Toronto Raptors at the seven seed, of course, the reigning mm. NBA champs. They lose Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green this past off season, uh, and, and replace them with guys like Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Cameron Payne. You know, nobody that you're really going to be super excited about. Uh, they did not have a first round pick, so they weren't able to supplant through the draft either. So I, I think this is going to be a big step back for the Raptors. They got their title. They, you know, they're excited. Uh, you know, and they they certainly earned that. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm really just not 
there, there's nothing that I that gets me super excited about this roster uh, where it stands right now. Uh, so I, I'm picking them to finish seventh in the East. And I think our best way to to rebuttal, I guess, what the other person had said, because of course we don't have the same order, is to maybe just address it when we finally do talk about them. But yeah. my seven seed, uh, I'm heading to the to the Brooklyn Nets, and I, I hate that I have them even in here. Um, you know, as <laughs> as a Knicks fan who is very upset with how this off season unfolded. Um, listen, the, the Nets were a playoff team this past year. They had an interesting series, of course, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers. Um, you know, you lose D'Angelo Russell to Golden State. You bring in Kyrie Irving. Uh, we are not going to see Kevin Durant play this year. And we're going to see DeAndre Jordan at center. And to me, you know, I, I just have trouble with the chemistry of this team. And and it's not even, you know, missing Kevin Durant and what that'll look like when he comes back. But Kyrie Irving just doesn't seem like he can be the leader of a team. And we saw in Boston, he had the chance to be that vet in the locker room. And he really didn't do well with it, uh, you know. You know, bashing some of his teammates, not getting along with most of them, and really not showing the willingness to lead a team. Um, so, I, I think that the roster has talent that's better than the seventh seed, but I just see a lot of dysfunction uh, in the locker room and between Kyrie Irving and, and of course, they're talented. Uh, I just think that you know they might have some hiccups along the way, uh, personnel-wise, and and how they all mesh. So, I've got them as my seventh seed. We can actually talk about this right now because I have them as my six seed. Six seed. Uh, so right there, right above yours, uh, at number six in the East. I agree with you that, that Kyrie was a distraction in Brooklyn and certainly, or sorry, in, in Boston. And certainly they weren't too disappointed to see him go this past offseason. But at the same time, Kyrie, even though this year he's going to be technically the guy, Kevin Durant is still going to be in that locker room, uh, and he has that that leader pres that leadership presence. No, um, yes, and I know no, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has his issues. Okay, Kevin Durant certainly is a guy who has called Ben Petty in the past and, and calls out people on social media. I'm not saying that he's a perfect leader by any means, but I think with the two of them having to almost split those duties, it kind of tempers yeah. it off a little bit. Where you know you're not constantly going to Kyrie uh, as the number one guy uh, in, in terms of, of high-pressure situations, um, tenuous situations within the locker room. You have that that presence, and I think that's going to balance things out. I mean, there was just nobody at Kyrie's level when it came to uh, star pedigree on the Celtics, and that's important, you know, especially in a New York market where you're, you're going to be constantly questioned, constantly uh, put in the spotlight. That's going to be an important factor. I, I mean, I don't have them much higher than you. I don't think that they're necessarily right. going to be a threat this year. I just think that the Kyrie brushback is going to be a little bit lower uh, than it was in Brooklyn. So I keep saying Brooklyn, right. Boston. Yeah, I, I think that the only thing that you have to hope of with, with their personalities is they're both getting older in their NBA careers, and they both have kind of gotten a lot of shit for the you know, previous places they finished. I know everyone harped on Kevin Durant for joining Golden State, and then some of his comments along the way, and, and you know, it really was always Steph's team there, so he really didn't need to really take on face of the franchise. And, of course, Kyrie with his problems that he had with LeBron in Cleveland and then over in Boston with uh, the Celtics, you hope that they're just at the stages in their career where they're like, okay, we need to shut up and just play, do a good job, be good leaders, uh, because, you know, if things don't work out in Brooklyn with these two, and I'm not saying that they're not going to, but if they don't, uh, that is a very bad look and could really go down as one of the more talented duos to play together that it couldn't really accomplish a ton. Um, so I'm going to go on to my sixth seed. Uh, of course, we were very close on Brooklyn, but uh, I'm going with the Indiana Pacers 
And and listen, I, I like the Pacers. There was a lot of changes that went on along their team. I mean, just list off the losses that they had. Darren Collison retired. Uh, Tyreek Evans is suspended for a year. Bojan Bogdanovich went to the Jazz. Thaddeus May uh, Thaddeus Young went to the Bulls. Wesley Matthews to the Bucks. Corey Joseph to the Kings. Kylo Quinn to the 76ers. They lost a ton of guys and really only brought in TJ Warren from a trade with the Suns. They bring in Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, which is a, a very nice signing. Uh, Jeremy Lamb and then TJ McConnell. Not to mention that the early rumors are Victor or Victor Oladipo might not be back until the All-Star break. Uh, so yeah. if he's out that long, uh, it, it's tough to really see who is going to be. You know, you hope that the leader is Miles Turner uh, is up front, and he's a very talented and young, promising big man. But uh, missing Oladipo, who really has turned himself into, um, into like the Paul George replacement of sorts, uh, not being back for a while, I, I think the, they're definitely a playoff team. Um, but losing all those guys and also not getting uh, Oladipo for quite some time. I think that they are going to be closer to the bottom half of these playoff teams. I had not seen that report. Oh, big Pacers, Victor Oladipo, not expected to return from the injury anytime soon, but vows to be back yeah. better than ever. Interesting. Um, I actually hadn't seen that. Uh, I certainly am a big fan of Oladipo in, in the, the turnaround that he had after being traded, uh, really making that jump to being one of the better players in the NBA and that injury, it really set the Pacers back, but I, I do like the Malcolm Brogdon signing, I think that overall it was a very expensive deal and, and that might come to hurt them in a couple of years um, but they bring in those guys like TJ Warren and Jeremy Land and TJ McConnell uh, that gives you uh, you know a lot to be excited about with this squad certainly uh, had a very good year last year uh, and they're expecting more of the same uh I'm, I'm i think you know i have them in my next uh spot what is that the fifth seed um so moving right along i, I do think that the the pacers are going to be uh you know in in the playoffs in the thick of things maybe i would have put them down one uh, had i known about old depot putting them um mm -hmm. at sixth um but overall i'd still think that they're going to be right in the mix for a playoff seed I, I don't expect them to miss uh the playoffs even if old depot doesn't return until the all-star break Right, and so I've got uh, your eighth seed at my fifth seed, and that's the Miami Heat. Um, of course, you've mentioned already the addition of Jimmy Butler, of course, replacing Hassan Whiteside with the up-and-comer Bam Adebayo. Of course, they also bring in um, oh Myers Leonard from the Trailblazers as a part of that trade. Uh, the other reason that I am a, a little bit higher on the Heat this year, and I really think that they have a, a chance to be a, a pretty good team, is man, oh man, does Tyler Hero look like like Clay Thompson Jr., uh, the guard that they drafted out of Kentucky. Um, even even though it's just summer league and it's just preseason games, his shooting form is so pristine. Uh, he's a good defender. Um, I, I think he's gonna probably contend for some. Uh, you know, he's I, to me he's gonna be a first rookie or first rookie all-team or first-team all-rookie? Yeah, there we go. I said it right that time. Uh, he's a guy that I'm extremely excited about. Eric Spolstra is still one of the better coaches in the NBA when he has a talented team around him. You think about guys like Dion Waiters also on that team as well still. Uh, I, I really like the Miami Heat to really uh, take some of these additions that they've had and, of course, their rising young guys in Bam and Tyler and really turn this into a positive season. Well, your eight seed is my four seed. 
Uh, and that is the Orlando Magic, a team that Woo! you have basically written it. off as being a, a contender uh, for the, the top yeah. of the East. But I honestly think that the Magic, Talk dirty to me. they're going to take a step forward this year. I'm really excited about them. I think that Nikola Vucevic is, is an up-and-coming star uh, in this NBA. I, I know he's, he's 29 years old this year, but last year was really his first uh, you know coming-out party full season, played 80 games the mm-hmm. first time in his career, broke the 20-point threshold for the first time in his career. Uh, you know, rebounding total was a career best. I mean, he really put it all together last year. Uh, and, and, you know, Michael Carter-Williams obviously taking a, a bit of a step forward. And who have we been seeing all offseason? Tons of hype videos, Blake. It's none other than Markel Fultz. <laughs> Markel Fultz, can he be a a contributing player on this team? I don't know, but if they can unleash him, that's going to be huge. Of course, they have DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier and Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, you know, rounding out that starting group. Terrence Ross coming off the bench. Uh, There's a lot to be excited about with this team. It's, I think, one that gets overlooked uh, in a lot of conversations about the, the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and that's why I'm slotting them in at fourth. Hey, man, I'd love to see that. I mean, Orlando being one of the better teams in basketball, of course, with how horrible they've been in the past few years. I I mean, I certainly believe that uh, they have potential there. Um, If if Markel Fultz can get his shit together, I know we've been seeing all the hype tapes. He's been the most talked about guy that we've seen doing those, you know, late night workouts and the the gym videos. If he's got his shot figured out and he can recapture some of that magic uh, that, that turned him into the number one overall pick, yeah, that'd be an amazing story. Um, but going to my number four seed, and we're really getting to the point where I feel like we can start talking about these guys as, as really the, the true contenders to push, um, to push for the NBA finals out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, I'm going with the Boston Celtics, and I feel like I'm being a little low on them this year, uh, just because, you know, as good as I think their offense has potential to be, I think that this could be one of the worst defensive teams, and that's given the fact that Brad Stevens is is kind of like a Greg Popovich of sorts, which in, in ways that he can coach up his defense. Uh, first off, Ennis Cantor might be one of the worst defensive big men of like the the last decade. Uh, watching him play defense in New York and, and Oklahoma City back in his days there, um, it just was something he didn't give two shits about. And, and so, uh, to me, the reason I, I've got the Celtics down at the four seed, and and you know, despite still being able to bring in guys like Kemba and of course the young guys and Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, um, you know, the the difference, the drop off between Al Horford. And who was the MVP of their team last year, Al Horford? The drop-off from him to Ennis Cantor is just so massive in my eyes, especially on the defensive end, not to mention leadership. Uh, I, I think the Celtics take a little step back. And now that I've talked about it, I almost kind of want to put them as my five seed and boost Miami up to four. Jeez. I'm not going to, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I really do feel like um, we're in for a underwhelming season uh, from Boston. Yeah, uh, I'll get to them uh, in just a few minutes. But first, I want right. to talk about that that other team that, that seems to be getting a lot of hype, uh, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, who I think the, the Philly fans are already buying in uh, to them being the best team in the East this next year. They were obviously right. a, a dink and a doink away from uh, you know going to overtime against the Raptors hmm. uh, in that playoff series. It really came down uh, to that close, and you know they, they make a few big moves. They, they trade for Josh Richardson, uh, sign Al Horford to a big deal. Um, of course, losing Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick and T.J. McConnell, you know those are all pretty big losses. 
uh, for this team. But at the same time, you, you're looking at Ben Simmons as a guy who they're hoping uh, can shoot threes this year. He, he made one in a preseason game pretty big uh, for Simmons. Yeah, making strides. huge. <laughs> I was uh, looking earlier and uh, awesome. all-time among player guards who have never made a uh, – three-pointer in their career he ranks 12th in most games played um wow. so that he's yeah he's gonna blow it man he's he's gonna fall off that list it makes me sad but um you know it, that that's an, an inter- interesting start to a career for a number one pick uh certainly they, they have not been exactly lucky uh with those number one overall draft selections over in philadelphia but you know i, I think that this is a team that, that just looks like a very complete unit um a, a true threat uh, to go very deep in the playoffs, I could not would not be surprised one bit uh, if we saw the 76ers in the NBA Finals this year. But I'm throwing them yeah. at third. Hey, I don't blame you there as well. And I've got them in my top three, uh, so I will get to them in a second. Uh, but for now, I'm going to talk about the team that I feel like might be the most disagreed between us. Yep. I, we're, there's a difference between four spots. Uh, so I guess it's the same to me having the Magic at eight and you having them at four. I've got the Toronto Raptors as my three seed in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, despite we, we talk about, you know, how much the Celtics had lost and we talk about, you know, the losses across the league and where teams have jumped ship. Um, for Toronto, I, I really liked what we saw out of their young guys last season. I know that, you know, someone has to assume the role that Kawhi did. And if it's Kyle Lowry, that means someone else has to assume the role that Kyle Lowry had. But I really felt the years that we saw out of Pascal Siakam and oh what's the guard's name I literally just was thinking about him uh who is the who is the guard off the bench for the Raptors sorry oh uh Matt, Van Vliet the... Fred Van Vliet yes yeah Fred Van Vliet uh the two of those guys really developed into into true starting caliber players this past year I'm interested to see what their starting lineup looks like uh, and how they position to get those guys some minutes uh so yes they do lose Kawhi Leonard they do lose one of the better two-way players in the league in Danny Green uh, they bring in guys like you're saying, Stanley Johnson, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. They bring in campaign. Um, really, the the depth at the three and four with with Johnson and Hollis Jefferson not only are guys that you can just plug in on your bench, but guys that had potential when they were coming into this league and hopefully can continue to maximize off of that uh, with an expanded role in Toronto. I think Nick Nurse is definitely uh, you know came onto the scene in year one is one of the the better and and. Um, more tempered uh, coaches in the NBA. Um, I, I don't think Toronto is going to take a massive step off at all. I know that they've lost some talented players uh, along the way, um, but man, I, I'm I, I really feel like we could be in for another good season from Toronto. I don't know, man. They they just really lost the heart and soul of that team. I'm just not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I get you know if you really believe uh, that the, some of their you know like Siakam Dude, and Van Vliet think... can take that step forward, then then I totally understand yeah. the pick. I think more so Siakam than Van Vliet. I think Siakam could re- it definitely showed like he can be one of the best, one of the better big men in all of basketball, and that you know especially on offense could make up for some of the production that Kawhi got you. But it, they are really going to need to figure out who is going to play that three slot for Kawhi and, and be the primary defender um, because they need someone to step up in that area. All right. Well, my team at number two is your number four, and that's the Boston Celtics. I'm pretty high on Boston this year, uh, given, you know, they just really underperformed last year uh, in in a pretty dramatic way from what we were expecting them to do entering the year. And of course, they no longer have Kyrie. They they add Kemba on that huge deal. They lose uh, Al Horford, which honestly, they were definitely not expecting to do entering this this offseason. And certainly the fact that that happened kind of takes a hit on this 
this team, but you know, uh, as we saw Jason Tatum just kind of have a repeat of his rookie year, except he didn't shoot uh, as well. So I, I think they're hoping that right. you know he can get his three point shooting back to where it was and maybe take that step forward. Uh, where you know he was, he's twenty years old, uh, and some people are already writing him off. I think he can be a fantastic contributor for this team. I think that Kemba is going to fit in seamlessly. They obviously had several players on this team playing uh, for Team USA, which of course you know we've talked in, in, in the past about how it didn't go very deep, but certainly that helps uh, with your Kemba chemistry uh, between players and you know they're they're going to enter the season with Kemba already pretty fluid uh, with a lot of these guys and I think that's a huge advantage I think I, I think the Boston Celtics are going to get off to a very hot start to this year and you know maybe they don't carry it all year uh, to the point where they can be the number mm-hmm. one seed but uh, I do think that the Celtics are going to be one of the best players in the Eastern Conference or best teams in the Eastern Conference and I have them finishing number two. Yeah, and just as like I, you know, they were my four seed and your two seed, your four seed, or no, sorry, your three seed. I sorry, I have our rankings mixed up. Your three seed is my two seed, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. And I, and I said this to Matt before the show started. My drop off between these top two teams and the rest of the eight it is pretty significant. Um, just for records perspective, I said that I had the Raptors finishing around 46 and 36 as the three seed. I have Philadelphia finishing around 54 and 28. Uh, so that's a sizable, you know, eight game gap between the two teams but to me uh you know there are two top teams that really stand up around the rest and and Philadelphia I mean you know the Clippers are going to be the best defensive team in the league but the 76ers are going to be right there with them I mean that starting lineup um you know Simmons Richardson uh you know you you've got Joel Embiid Al Horford bringing him in at power forward just doesn't seem fair for this team the problem is is how are they going to contend uh, on offense? Because, like you said, if if um, if Ben Simmons actually can get his shot, then that's huge. But if he still is like kind of bland on the offensive side of the ball, especially as we start to get further away from the basket, I do worry about how much potential their offense does have. Uh, but still, um, you know, to me, their defense will clamp down on just about any team in this league. Um, you know, I only could imagine what a, a Clippers 76ers finals would look like, just with you know, great. That would be like a '90s defense type <laughs> matchup with with those two teams. Um, but Philadelphia, to me, I I think they're extremely deep. They've got young studs. It, you know, there's two things that this season really falls behind, and that's Ben Simmons and his shooting, and Joel Embiid's health. He was healthy for the majority of last season, um, and, and of course, we talk about the years that led up to that where he wasn't. Um, have we completely gone away from the days of Joel Embiid missing majority port or? big parts of the season. Uh, if Joel can stay healthy and Ben Simmons can develop somewhat of an offense, I feel very confident saying that they'll be, um, you know, at least the number two team in the Eastern Conference. Well, Blake, after getting through seeds two through seven, we finally not have, agreeing on not one. agreeing on a single one, <laughs> we finally agree on something, and that is that the Milwaukee Bucks uh, will be the number one team in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's really hard to bet against them at this point. I mean, obviously, losing Malcolm Brogdon was a pretty big blow. They just couldn't match that yeah. offer from mm-hmm. India, Indiana, but at the same time, every single team beneath the Bucks is flawed, uh, and they don't have an MVP. So it's kind of just yeah. figures that, that Giannis is going to carry this team uh, back to being the number one seed, the favorite uh, to get out of the Eastern Conference this year. And, and you know, they, they still padded their depth. Uh, you know, they added a, you know, Robin Lopez to get both the Lopez brothers. They add yeah, yeah. Kyle Korver and Wesley Matthews as, as wing guys. Uh, you know, I, I do like those moves a lot. So, um, you know, Chris Middleton giving him that, that confidence boost uh, with the big contract. Uh, I 
like that a lot. So, you know, uh, I think that the Bucks uh, don't figure to lose a step this year, despite the loss of Brogdon, which uh, it's worth saying, you know, Brogdon really did disappear uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So that was a big problem for them. Um, you know, now they don't necessarily have to replicate what he contributed. They just have to add somebody else. So, um, you know, at this point, uh, I can't see why uh, they don't make it back at, at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, you know, like you're saying, the first pick we agree on. I think that this is, uh, you know, around a 56-58 win team. Uh, you know, I certainly do believe that the Eastern Conference isn't as strong. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's that's really oh bold take, Blake. The Eastern Conference isn't as strong as the Western Conference. But uh, Milwaukee definitely is the best team out there. Um, like you're saying, I, I'm so excited to see the Lopez brothers on the same team. That's just going to be fun to watch. And like you're saying, replacing Brogdon with, with not only, you know, two guys instead of one, but two guys that also specialize elsewhere. You know, Wesley Matthews could be that physical defensive guard. Cal Corver is still one of the better shooters um, in basketball. So getting that offense from one guy, defense from the other, uh, great way to replace uh, that two slot and also fill in some roles behind Chris Middleton. Uh, oddly enough, I still don't get why Nikola Mirotic went, uh, you know, to overseas basketball to play with uh, FC Barcelona, but whatever his choice. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think we both agree this Bucks team will at the very least be in the Eastern Conference, and at the very least Giannis will be right up there for another MVP uh, award-winning season. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting to see. We will, of course, talk about uh, our picks for, for MVP uh, in two episodes from now. We'll, we'll do our yes. Western Conference preview next week on our Wednesday episode before uh, wrapping up our postseason predictions, award predictions, things like that on Friday. So stay tuned for that for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, regardless, Giannis will be in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I haven't made my pick yet, Blake. I'm not sure if, if you've yeah. gone through that yet. I but, do have my pick, I uh, think. Okay. I think I have him. Well, I haven't decided yet, so we'll see if Giannis is included uh, in our predictions, but stay tuned for that next week. Um, but how you feel about that one through eight, Blake, uh, in terms of your I, picks? I feel good. I, I feel good about it. Um, you know, I, the one that could really bite me is if, um, if Miami doesn't, you know, if they, their young players don't contribute as much as I think that they will, um, you know, they could definitely be in that lower half. But I also believe Miami has potential to be such a, uh, they're really the wild card in the Eastern Conference to me. Uh, and of course, if Brad Stevens can instill uh, a defensive mentality into guys like Ennis Canner and really improve on Kemba's defense, they could certainly be up in that one to two range with Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Yeah, and I'd say the one that I'm, I'm most unsure about would be the Raptors. Uh, you know, the two teams that I have directly above them are the Nets and the Pacers. And honestly, I would not be surprised if they pass them. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, in the standings, considering this is a team, despite the fact that it lost Kawhi Leonard, still had a core good enough around him to make it uh, and win the NBA Finals. So certainly lots of very good role players on that team, just whether or not the Raptors can actually, you know, replace that high volume scoring uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, just to run through them one last time, I know because we kind of bounce back and forth. Uh, my Eastern Conference standings, at the one seed, I've got the Milwaukee Bucks, the two seed, the Philadelphia 76ers, the three seed, the Toronto Raptors, the number four seed, the Boston Celtics, five, Miami Heat, six, Indiana Pacers, seven, Brooklyn Nets, and eight, Orlando Magic. Matt, who are your top eight seeds? Going from top to bottom, I went with the Bucks at number one, followed by the Celtics, the two seed, Coming behind them is the Philadelphia 76ers at number three. Fourth, I've got the Orlando Magic making that big jump. Five, I have the Nets led by Kyrie Irving. Six, Indiana Pacers. Seven, Toronto Raptors. And rounding things out are the Heat at number eight. 
Love to see it. And we're excited for basketball to get underway. Like you said, the offseason is definitely more exciting than the regular season, but I'm not going to complain about having more to watch at night. Um, but Matt, also, with, with three major sports, that means we've got an extra long episode. So we, we've still got one more thing to talk about, and that's the NFL heading into week six. Uh, we are going to go through our, our bets of the week, of course, you know, our lock, our game that we're avoiding, our fan duel player that we think has sneaky value, and then our parlay as well. Uh, we'll try to keep them as brief as possible, but I know that we want to get into some conversations. Uh, so Matt, taking a look at that, uh, your lock of the week uh, for week six, I know it's kicking off uh, tonight for us, last night for you all listening, the Giants and the Patriots, so we will leave that game off, even though... Uh, you all definitely should bet Patriots uh, minus 17. But uh, but Matt, aside from Thursday night, uh, where is your lock of the week at? Well, my lock of the week uh, goes all the way over to what is, is that Sunday night? Oh, no, it's just a 4 o'clock game on Sunday. Uh, and that is the Cowboys against the Jets. And <laughs> the money line just moved, or sorry, the, the spread just moved. It is now on oh. Bovada at minus 7.5. I had taken it at Ooh. minus seven as my lock, but I will go I'll give ahead. you minus seven. I'll, I'll bu- no, I'll bump to seven and a half. Oh, I'll, okay. I'm still confident enough. Uh, I, regardless of who the Jets start at quarterback, this is just a dysfunctional team from top to bottom, uh, and I really don't expect them to be all that competitive this year. Uh, the Cowboys, of course, have had a rough past couple of weeks, and they really need to bounce back. And uh, We've seen you know, Dallas offense really feast on some pretty bad defenses. Uh, the Jets are going to be no exception there. Uh, I see them blowing out the Jets on the road uh take the the Cowboys at minus seven and a half yeah Sam Darnold is expected to be back and 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 under center for the Jets but I don't think that changes much either I agree with you um you know the the one of the worst corner duos in the league even though Tremaine Johnson is paid a ton of money he's not worth it he's not that great uh, so big games from Amari Cooper. Dak will probably get back in the swing of things. This is kind of going to be like what we saw out of Dallas in the opening few weeks when they were destroying the Dolphins and uh, you know the Redskins as well in there too. Uh, I don't expect much uh, from the Jets this weekend, even though Sam Darnold is back. I agree with you. Uh, my lock of the week, and I went with a team that is a touchdown underdog. Um, it, mine is actually the Sunday night football game, and I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus seven against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you can get that at minus 120 right now, so it's not like you know super exciting odds, but I think you could even push that to maybe a tease of plus four and a half. Uh, but if you want to play it safe, I think plus seven is the way to go. Uh, to me, the Chargers are like the fake good team this year. I know they have an overtime win against the Colts, uh, but they've lost to the Detroit Lions. Uh, who else have they lost to? They, they lost to the, the Vic Fangie 0-4 Denver Broncos. Um, I think with how many injuries are there, they just lost their center to the injured reserve. Um, I, I don't see a way that Pittsburgh, it loses by more than a touchdown, especially with how well they played Baltimore. Um, I know we, we might think a little bit less of Baltimore, uh, because of that game, but I certainly think that the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least talent wise on defense are sound. I think personnel wise, their coaching decisions are some of the worst in the league. Uh, but I definitely want to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to lose by less than a touchdown on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, you sent me your picks before um, me this week. Last week I sent them, and I believe I took your lock. Uh, well, this week you took mine, so yeah, I had to. I, did, I yeah. had to adapt <laughs> and, and, and take the Cowboys. But I agree Ooh. with you. Uh, I'm t- taking the Chargers in my uh, weekly pick them as well. Uh, we my go. eliminator pool. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Chargers. Um, in this game, I mean, obviously with Duck at quarterback, there isn't expected to be a lot of optimism. Oh, uh, is is Mason Rudolph playing? Did they say? He's well, play? well, no, no. I was asked. So you have the Chargers minus seven? No, no, no. Oh yeah, no, no. no. I was going to take the Chargers minus seven, but it's um, 
Oh, see, I have the Steelers plus seven. Oh, my God. I totally heard you say it and just figured you were saying um, <laughs> the Chargers and was thinking. going through my notes. Um, well, you're an no, idiot. Yeah, you're yeah. an idiot, Blake. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what did the you, hell you're talking did about. Did you listen to any of my points? I mean, this, the Chargers no, are not a good team this year. The Astros jumped out to a 4-1 lead, bro. I was I was looking oh, at the I was looking at what happened uh, in that game. Uh, um, all right, you know, let me let okay. me sum it up for you. The, the Chargers are a fake good team. Agreed. They, they beat the Colts week one, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers played a, a Baltimore Ravens team and should have beaten them in overtime. Um, and and so I, I just believe even though Duck might be the quarterback or Mason Rudolph, uh, I just don't think that it's going to be that big of a difference, especially on a primetime game like that. I just don't think that the, the Steelers offense is going to be able to keep up with the Chargers. And yes, we've seen them be pretty inconsistent this year, um, yeah. but Hunter Henry has returned to practice in limited fashion. We might see him playing uh, this weekend, which would be a huge boost for that offense. Obviously, they're getting uh, Mike Williams uh, back in there as well. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler perform the top running back duo in the entire NFL, and we're only seeing Gordon get more acclimated as things go on. That defense has had a ton of injuries. That offensive line has had a couple of injuries. Certainly, there are some flaws on that team, but I mean, I don't think you can look at the Steelers squad and say, oh, they're a lock, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, with the, with the injuries on the Chargers offensive line, and like I, I also said, they lost Mike Pouncey uh, to neck surgery for the rest of the year. I think that's three or four offensive linemen they're down. Uh, the best part of the Steelers defense is that front seven. So I think we could see uh, Phillip Rivers under a lot of pressure. So even though he might be able to get the ball to some of his receivers from time to time, I'm not sure if he's going to have a lot of time protected in the pocket. We'll see. Uh, he definitely had a bad we'll game see. last week. Rivers did. Oh, and, and yeah. These, there are a lot of question marks going his way, but I, I'm, I'm still yeah. a believer that Phillip Rivers is a very good quarterback and you know I don't think the numbers that he had last week against a pretty underrated Broncos secondary um, are necessarily um, you know uh, indicative of how he's going to perform the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so you feel confident about I do. betting against I, me I and am. betting yourself. In fact but, I'm uh, taking him in my my uh, eliminator pool so you know it's on Blake. Go. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. My locks haven't been too hot, but uh, switching from the your your confidence to to your lack of confidence, what t- what game are you completely avoiding this Sunday? When it comes to betting, there is no way I am getting involved in the Lions Packers. The Packers oh, are favored uh, at at four points right now, um, and I think that game. Uh, a lot of people might be really tempted to take the Packers at minus four with how good they've been playing, but you have the Lions coming off of a bye on the road uh, in. I, I don't know. I just like don't want to bet against a team uh, that has really surprised a lot of people this year. Uh, they, they had that rough uh, tie against the, the, the Cardinals uh, in week one and, of course, aren't undefeated or anything. But I think that this is uh, with how the Bears have kind of faltered and we're not really sure where the Vikings stand. The Lions are poised to make a, a, a jump here, and, and this is going to be a defining game for them. It's probably the most important game that the Lions have had in their season so far. Uh, and so I'm not necessarily ready to say that they're better than the Packers, so I can't take them uh, plus four um, because I'm not ready to say that they're going to win this game. But I do think that they are a threat, uh, and I think that this is going to be a really close one. So I, I'm, I'm staying as far away from this one as possible. Yeah, I feel confident in the Packers um, at least winning the game. I'm not sure about four, uh, so I think it could be a close one. I do think that they are on both sides the better team, um, and, and uh, I'm still I'm giving it one more week. If the Lions can at least keep it close with the Packers, I'll feel a lot more confident in them. Uh, I'm staying away uh, from a game, of course, where there was another team uh, that uh, I guess had extra time, didn't have a bye week, but I'm completely staying away uh, from the 49ers-Rams game. I know you were saying that 
you know, people might be tempted to take that, uh, that your game that you're staying away from. I think people are probably really tempted to bet on the 49ers who are three point underdogs at even odds right now. Uh, but I wanted to pull up something for you and that is Sean McVay with extra time leading up to an opponent. Uh, he is 10 and one in his, uh, in his (laughs) head coaching career. Uh, the one being of course against Bill Belichick, uh, Sean McVay is 10 and one with extra time leading up into an opponent. Uh, that means, you know, Week one of the NFL season after a bye, uh, after a Thursday night game or playing on Monday night football, 10-0 straight up in wins um, and 8-1-1 against the spread. Uh, So their offense is also averaging 37 points per game in all of those 11 games. Um, So, you know, for a 49ers defense that has looked very good, um, they still haven't played, you know, the top-notch quality teams um, such as, you you know, they beat up on the Browns this past week. Um, you know, their game against the Buccaneers that they won, it was a close game, but the Buccaneers, I don't believe are, are really surprising anybody this year. Um, to me, I think that there's going to be a lot of temptation about on the 49ers, but given, uh, how successful Sean McVay is game planning with extra time, I think that this game is something where the Rams, I could see them really pull things out or we're going to learn about the 49ers and how legit they are. Either way, I don't want to put money on it because they're two very smart coordinators, two of the youngest innovative coordinators in the league, and uh, this could go in so many different directions. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. This is another one I was considering. Uh, Just when you get two teams that um, are, are good, uh, but you're not really sure what to think of them yet. Um, you know, we're still very early into this season. Uh, there are a lot of games left to be played, and you know, uh, several teams have had some really light schedules. Some teams have had really tough ones, and so the records might not be indicative of exactly what kind of team they are right now. Uh, obviously, right. the 49ers, you know, completely embarrassed uh, the Browns last week, and we thought the Browns were a legit team, but we really don't know if if the Browns are a force to be reckoned with, or if they're actually, uh, you know, just kind of a, a uh, shot in the dark type team. So, you know, overall, uh, I, I say absolutely stay away from that game as well. Um, even though the, the over in my opinion, uh, oh, seems, yeah. seems pretty good. Yeah. That's the one thing you can definitely take to the bank. Um, now Matt going to our fan duel, uh, player that we think has sneaky value heading into daily fantasy. Uh, last week we both picked guys in the same game. You picked Kyle Allen quarterback for the Panthers. I picked DJ Chark wide receiver for the Jaguars, which boy, oh boy, did he have a, he had a great day there as well. Um, Now we're sitting here. (laughs) Yeah. Kyle Allen was, he was okay. They won the game. So quarterback win, but that doesn't do you a ton for daily fantasy. But, uh, you know, we picked the same game last time. Uh, this time around we are picking at the same position. So who is your, uh, fan duel, uh, sneaky value that you see? Well, I'm staying with the game that you just mentioned going with Tevin Coleman, the running back on the 49ers, uh, at $5,000 for fan duel right now. Uh, I, I, Obviously, coming back off of the injury last week, had a pretty respectable game. I believe he finished uh, in PPR with 12.3 points, uh, which was not good necessarily in terms of uh, how he stacks up with all the players in the league. But for a guy coming back uh, off of injury, it was certainly uh, a a performance that he can build off of. Uh, But the most important thing for me was that he almost identically split split carries uh, with Matt Breida, uh, only trailing Breida by one carry in the game. So certainly he is going to be part of the offensive game plan for Kyle Shanahan adds a a bit of an element in the passing game average in his career about two catches per game so uh, if he can break free for a big play that could be huge Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said I expect this game to be very high scoring uh, and and I think that a guy like Tevin Coleman is just screams that he's going to be right in the middle of it right and what's so interesting with the 49ers and their running backs I mean they've got so many there that 
Um, you know, it, it almost makes you want to, you know, get some, you can get all of them for a little bit cheaper. So doing like Brita and Coleman ensures you a bunch of points from both of them combined too. I certainly like that in a game that's going to be all offense. Uh, I see that a ton and I'm going to, uh, this week's Super Bowl for my FanDuel player prop. And that is of course the great game between the Washington Redskins and the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, and I am going with Adrian Peterson, who you can get for $5,300 uh, right now. So a little bit more expensive, a little bit more expensive than you can get. But the Miami Dolphins are giving up a league-worst 175.8 rushing yards per game. Everything that has been coming out from this new uh, head coach, this interim head coach for the Washington Redskins, and from Peterson himself, is that they are going to get Peterson in the rhythm for him to succeed this week. Uh, the, the interim head coach came out and said, we didn't give Peterson enough touches in the opening month to really get him going. You don't need to be worried about that this weekend. So they are going to give a ton of rushes to Peterson uh, in a game that I do expect the Dolphins to end up winning. I actually predicted them in uh, Stampy Blue staff picks. Um, but I do believe that the volume for Adrian Peterson is just going to be unreal. They're going to go very run heavy where their power is. It's in the offensive line and it's up front with their rush attack. No one is scaring you aside from scary Terry at receiver. Uh, I think Peterson is going to be in for a very large day. I've bumped him into my starting lineups for a couple fantasy teams and uh, I think he's got great value there. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly the volume is going to be there. He just hasn't been good. Uh, not to be to be bashing on all of your picks, Blake, but um, <laughs> I, I just haven't, uh, you know, I've been watching AP uh, working at NBC on Sundays, um, having to, to watch every Redskins game, which has been such a thrill, might I, might yeah, I add. Yeah, I bet you love that. Um, you know, I just haven't been super impressed with AP, AP. I don't think he's been, you know, moving as well uh, as he has in Europe's past. Uh, obviously, not having uh, Trent Williams on that offensive line has really hurt them. Um, in you know, that entire left side is really just not impressive whatsoever so uh while i get it that he's probably going to be getting more carries and, and this is not exactly a, a standout defense my my one concern is just you know he just hasn't been effective uh so yeah. certainly you're going to need to see him uh you know maybe go back in time a little bit and rediscover some of his past uh success which i'm not not necessarily saying won't happen right. but um yeah. you know that's that's my one concern yeah, of course. He hasn't been strong at all this season, and I think that's kind of been the frustration, too. You talk about him, how he was uh, you know, a healthy uh, scratch in the season opener, and then he had a good week, too, but then since then it's been a little underwhelming. I think just given off of how historically bad this Dolphins uh, rush defense is, I mean, 175 yards a game to give up is just unbelievably bad and then also just with the with the new head coach coming out and saying look we're going to rely on Adrian Peterson to to try and win this game I think I think you got some good value for him there but uh all right on to our last one and hopefully I can make you happy with the parlay pick man so I've been leaving you I've been leaving you upset Uh, of course with our parlays we go with one spread one money line and one over under that we like and we always discuss the payout as well at the end to make you guys some big bucks Matt mine was so close to hitting last week that would have paid out um God, what was it? It was plus one twelve or one thousand two hundred odds. It was uh, the spread away from winning, um, of course. So that was unfortunate to see. You hate to see it. Happen. Oh no, it was the Jags beating the Panthers. If the Panthers had beaten the Jags, I would have won a uh, hundred and ten dollars off of my parlay. But uh, where are you heading this week? What is the payout that you like? 
Well, uh, not as high of odds uh, as either of our parlays last week, but uh, I'm sticking mm-hmm. with my, my lock uh, with Cowboys minus 7.5 uh, at the Jets, which that, that in and of itself is minus 110 odds. I'm also taking the Saints' money line. They're traveling on the road to play the Jaguars. I think team all, all year, uh, ever since Breeze went down, people have been doubting the Saints, and the fact that they have even odds – uh, it's just so, yeah. so inviting, uh, with how well Teddy Bridgewater played last week. I get it was against the Bucks second secondary that has been very susceptible. Um, but at uh-huh. the same time, he threw for four touchdowns, you know, had a career yeah. night. Uh, that gives me a lot of optimism that the Saints can pull this out. And that defense is for real. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. Gardner Menchu is going to be running into a bulldozer, uh, with the Saints defensive front. And then of course, uh, I'm, I'm going over to that Redskins Dolphins game, taking the under at 41. I just don't like the talent on the offensive side of the ball for either team. Um, I, I think we're getting Colt McCoy once again at starting quarterback uh, for the Redskins. And, you know, uh, God knows what's going on. I think it's Case Keenum. Is it Keenum? Still, it doesn't fucking yeah. matter, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It really <laughs> um, doesn't. You know, I'm just uh, – I don't think that either team is going to be able to put up points at all. I think it's going to be very low scoring. So I'm taking the under there. That gives you, between those three picks for a parlay, plus 645.5 odds. So if you bet $10, you'll win $64.55. Go ahead and lock that in because I feel really good about this one. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that one too. And and taking a look at mine, mine pays out a little bit more. Uh, right now I've got the Atlanta Falcons minus 2.5 Um Listen, I know Arizona is coming off their win, but I think that this is do or die for Dan Quinn. I believe if he loses to the Cardinals, uh, I think he is fired by Monday, much like we saw Jay Gruden. Uh, And I do believe that this defense has enough talent alone to really limit uh, their offense. And I think, um, you know, with an Arizona defense that is very lackluster, uh, having to defend Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, and Matt Ryan, I think that they win by at least a field goal. I think two and a half is great to get even odds at them. Uh, The only reason I didn't pick the Saints money line over the Jaguars is because there were plus 110 odds elsewhere. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans money line over the Denver Broncos. I know the Broncos are fresh off a win, and the Titans lost a very frustrating game to the Buffalo Bills that if uh, Cairo Santos didn't miss all those kicks, they would have ended up winning. Um, But I think that this Titans defense, uh, I just, I think this Titans team in general is being a little underrated right now. They had two losses, uh, two of their losses this year to to our two very um, good opponents in in the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. I I think that it's uh, a shoe-in that they're better than the Denver Broncos, so getting them at plus 110 to win the game, I really like. And then I'm taking the over. Life is too short to bet. The under, uh, I am taking the over in the Eagles-Vikings game that is currently mm. sitting at 44. Uh, you get that at I minus like that. 105. I think a mix just between Philadelphia's secondary uh, being being really banged up and, and the frustration with the wide receivers. We saw how happy Kirk Cousins was to feed Adam Thielen the ball last week against the Giants. I think they their offense could definitely put up some points against Philadelphia. And now on the opposite side, I know the Vikings defense definitely is talented, but getting Carson Wentz in that strong run offense the last time we saw them, man, Jordan Howard, they had figured it out. Uh, the last two games now, even against Green Bay and the Jets. I think that hits over 44. Uh, All in all, that gives you plus uh, 720 odds. Bet $10, win 72. Uh, I feel good about that. The only thing I'm worried about is the Falcons, but but I didn't want to pass up getting even odds at them to only win by a field goal. Yeah, I mean, they just so desperately need a win, and Dan Quinn, for his job, uh, you have to think he's going to pull out all the stops against Kyler Murray. 
it kind of reminds me of, of Denver beating the Chargers last week where not that the Chargers are as bad as the Cardinals are, but it's it's like, okay, we, we need to get one win this season. So I think that they, they at least get that victory now. And man, what a team that both of us were just so wrong about at the start of the season. Me more so than you, but man, I was so are off you talking on the about Falcons. The Falcons? I, I, oh, you had Yeah, I'm talking about the Falcons. No, no, I had them as the one seed. I had them losing, I think, in the first round or in the I had them round in my, of the playoffs. My, uh, I had them in my NFC Championship game. So, uh, okay, so there, so yeah, we were both high on them. Yeah, rest <laughs> in peace to that pick. I had them but, as okay, a cool. wild card team making it that far, but you know. Oh, uh, okay, and I had them as happen. a team. Yeah, hey, it's still it's still out there. They have a chance. They could fight through that, but uh, but man, I was really impressed with us to. To be able to do all this and still be around the 117 mark, Look at us uh, go, I thought man. when you know we were adding in basketball that we were going to be in for 130 plus, but uh, really proud of us. Kept um, it concise. But yeah, kept it concise. We kept it brief, but uh, I think we got a lot of content in there as well. Um, you know, so that'll wrap it up for this Thursday. Uh, you know, I, I think we've got a pretty fun weekend. Like you said, Matt, I, right now, where are the... Uh, Astros and Rays currently at in this it game. It is. The Astros are up 4-1 to one in the bottom of the third with one out. We have uh, Garrett Cole uh, gave up one home run to Eric Sogard. Um, uh-huh. uh, other than that, he's been pretty lights out. Already has 4Ks right. racked up through three innings. Tyler Glasnow, however, gave up four runs in the first uh, inning. Three runs before he so even upsetting. recorded an out. So he settled uh, down a little bit. Uh, doesn't have any walks, which is good, but has really just been hit around. Uh, so certainly yeah. he's got to settle down. Hate to see that from a Yankees perspective, but uh, but oh well, we'll, we'll take on Ast- with the Astros with whatever we can do. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Head into the weekend, enjoy your time around the football, around uh, the you know championship series. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, you can find Matt at Matt Wyrick FBB. He is covering the Nationals for Federal Baseball, talking all baseball as well. Great content there. Uh, you can find me over at Blake Andrew Pace, uh, covering the Indianapolis Colts for Stampede Blue, uh, covering Syracuse football for Troy Nunez is an absolute magician. They're actually playing Thursday night football against North Carolina State right now as we speak. Uh, so so we got some some Thursday night football going on there as well. Matt, any last words before we kick things off? You know, uh, if, even if you're not a Nats fan, if you want to jump on that bandwagon, you know, you go right <laughs> ahead. We'll welcome you in with open arms. I think if the Rays lose, honestly, the Nationals are the most likable team left in the playoffs. So uh, feel free to, to jump on that bandwagon all you want. We will take you gladly because yeah, yeah. uh, you're in for a ride. Yeah, 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 whatever. I, I'm actually, I reminded, uh, I remembered myself, I, I'm going to give a shameless plug real here, uh, real quick before we sign things off. Uh, Matt, as you know, and, and I haven't told anybody else yet, actually, so this is the first time this is coming out, uh, I am bringing out a new daily uh, football-specific um, content uh, video audio Woo! type. It's called Quick Hits uh, with Blake Pace. Uh, we're doing five episodes a week coming out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. Uh, just a quick rundown of what it's going to be. Uh, Monday morning's episode is Mock Draft Monday uh, for where I take some of the stuff I've seen in college football, do a quick uh, one-round mock draft. Uh, Tuesday morning is going to be the games and recaps, uh, the game recaps and notes from the previous week of the NFL season. Uh, Once Monday Night Football concludes, I'll be putting out some short clips about each of the games there. 
Wednesday morning will be uh, the NFL Power Rankings. I'm now doing a weekly piece on Stampede Blue uh, where I do uh, you know the, the 32 NFL teams and power rank them. So I'll have an audio portion of that as well coming out Wednesday mornings. Uh, Thursday mornings is going to be a little bit more relaxed. It's going to be looking at bigger storylines across the league. Uh, you know, Maybe doing some film breakdown from games uh, that I get to watch through Game Pass. And then Friday morning uh, will be uh, every NFL game with picks against the spread. Uh, that's another uh, content that you'll be able to find along side on Stampede Blue. So I'm excited to be able to amp up my production with Stampede Blue now that I've kind of figured out my schedule and also bring some more audio with it. Uh, you know, I've, I've got the logo. I've already sent it to Matt. Our, our man Tanner has hooked it up. I'm getting worked on uh, getting some music for it now, but hey. an exciting project. I'm looking forward to doing it. And uh, man, we're going we're gonna to be uh, doing a lot of content on some of those days, you know, mixed in with Reasonably Outrageous, uh, the writing, and, and also Quick Hits. So I'm excited to do that. And that's my shameless plug for it. You can catch that <laughs> starting uh, next Monday uh, morning. It should be out. Absolutely, and we'll we'll talk about that at the start of the show on Wednesday next week, just to remind the people, Blake, uh, make Perfect. sure we, we get it. a plug early on, because, uh, you know, if yeah. you're a listener who, who stuck it out this long, hey, we're, we're happy hey. to have you here. Um, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, that's it from us. Um, Blake, any final words? Nah, man, let's enjoy it. Both of our teams, man, if we can get a Nats-Yankees World Series, that'll be something. Yep. I, I know. We'll have to have, we'll we'll have, have, to have do Tom something. on so I can outweigh you. Maybe we can uh, do we'll, like oh, we'll a, definitely... a live watch where we just live oh, Periscope man. or something with both our reactions yeah. from different places. That could be fun. I like it. We, we definitely have to put a wager on, of course. Oh, so that'll happen. That That's a well. guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I love it. Maybe we can bring Tom on too, but uh, we'll do it. Yeah, hope fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, our teams can make it to the World Series. But go enjoy the weekend, everybody. Head off, watch some college football on Saturday. Watch some baseball this weekend. Watch the NFL on Sunday. Uh, for Matt Wyrick, I'm Blake Pace, and we will catch you next Wednesday. <laughs>